You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. celebrate the Lord in that, which is wonderful. Today we are going to be continuing in 1 Samuel, in our account of what happened there. And it's interesting when I came to this chapter, we're in 1 Samuel 29. This chapter is very much uh, one of those we're on the way somewhere chapters. There's nothing major that happens within this one. There's not any great battles. There's not, Saul's not throwing spears at anybody. But we're on the way somewhere. And as I was looking through it, just thinking about what is the main point of this, Lord? Uh, it was actually a little bit hard to find on just that first, even second or third read to. It was like, I, I don't know. You're just going to have to show it to me, God. Um, but as I kind of read through it and dwelled on it and kind of worked through what um, was being pointed to me as the stopping points within this, a lot of it is an accumulation of what we've been going through, actually. So if we go back about a month ago, we were talking about accepting things as they are, is that we, we have an ideal that we want to get to, but we're not quite there yet. And so how is, what are the situation we're in at this moment? How are people around us at this moment? Is it perfect? No, but that's where we're headed to. So we have to deal with things as they are so that we can move forward. We can't pretend we're already there yet. And the week after that, we talked about we have really limited time to do all of this in. We've got this short expanse upon this earth. It's the shortest, longest thing you're ever going to do. We have very limited time. And as we get to the end of it, we want to make sure that we don't look back with a bunch of, I wish. I wish I'd spent more time here. I wish I had spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd spent less time at the office. I wish we had traveled more. I wish we had played more games. I wish, I wish. We want to make sure that when we get to that point, we are not full of wishes but full of fond memories of walking through this time with the Lord and with others. Then after that, we had Brian Barr here, and he talked about our participation in the gospel work, in the great work that Christ did and set us to continue in, and how are we involved in this? And then last week, I talked about what the mission is in and of itself, and when we hear the mission, we are given instructions by the Lord, do we choose to exemplify them or excuse ourselves from them? And so today, it's going to be a little bit of all of those things, and it kind of all boils down to wisdom. What do we do along the way? Because our life is not actually composed of a lot of really big moments. There's a few of them in there, and we head to them, and we look forward to them, and they, there are little achievements. There are milestones through life. It might be graduating high school, graduating college, that first real job the first child being born, the first grandchild, these milestone moments that we are headed towards. But there's a lot in between. The little everyday moments that really comprise the majority of our lives. And what do we do along the way? How do we walk well along the way? So that's what we're going to talk about. What are we doing along the way? Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek. And the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with a quiche. Step back a moment. It's been about a month. We've gone back in time about a week here. 
So the last time we talked about 1 Samuel, Saul had gone to the medium in Endor. She had told him, hey, Saul, tomorrow you're going to die. Bad news for Saul. She had um, raised up Samuel out of the ground. They had this interaction. Now Saul has to sit in this moment of what do I do? We've gone back a week in time. Here we are. The Philistines are marching up to meet the Israelites. Achish is the king of Gath where David had fled to. So David's marching in the back with Achish. They think everything's fine. The commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. Which is terribly ironic because David has been lying to Achish the entire time he's been with him. And so when I hit that stopping point, it really struck out to me, not everything about everyone around you is as it seems. Is that we might have a really good impression of somebody, but we're just getting the face they're showing us. And so not everything really is as it seems. Is that when we have our interactions and our goings abouts together, is this really who we're interacting with? Is that who we are on a Sunday morning the same as we are Monday morning throughout the rest of the week. Because I can tell you, I've worked in banking, and that when I've, I'm not gonna, there's no naming names here, there's no condemnation, there's a certain reality, is that when people interact with their money, they change. <laughs> I didn't even have to be specific, you know it. <laughs> and so there's a reality to this, that we have to accept that people aren't always gonna be the smiling, perfect face they are when things are good. And we have to accept that sometimes in everybody's life, they're going to be telling the story of their life and they're the hero of their story. And so when we interact, we have to realize we have to have a certain level of blanking on the word discernment. There it is. I wrote it down. That's why I write things down. You have to have discernment. You have to realize that there are always two parts to every story. Not everything is always going to be as it seems. And within this, I'm not telling you to go around and just be suspicious of everybody either. But when we interact with each other, we have to have a full story. We have to have a full picture because everyone's the hero of their own story. We all do this. I mean, you don't have to feel guilty about it. It's just a reality. When we tell something, we always tend to put ourselves in a slightly nicer light than someone else might. The other person telling the story. Because all of us are dealing with three very critical things because we're here in this country at this time. First of all, you're a person. You were born into a sin nature. You do not have to teach children to be selfish, to be greedy, to say the word mine. They learn that all on their own. You don't have to teach this to children. And this is something we have to deal with and fight against as we become adults, as we mature. Every person is going to be dealing with that. Second thing. There is a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy, that wants to deceive you, that wants to lead you astray, that wants you to get off the path that God has you on. And he's active. And within this country, he's subtle and effective. And every person is going to be dealing with that as well. And the third thing is you live in this country where the Declaration of Independence that we hold up very often as a holy document, life, liberty, and the pursuit of of happiness. You deserve the best that you can get. You need to take care of you first because no one else is going to. It's all about you. 
that American dream. You need to do it. You need to take care of this. This is for you to grab a hold of. We have a country that is focused on the self, promoting the individual. Now, there are good things and bad things within this. There, the hard part about that is that struggle to not be selfish and uncaring and casting others aside. The good part of it is that we, everybody can rise up. Everybody can achieve. Everybody can move forward. We have to deal with the good and the bad of all these things in our lives, but everybody we interact with is dealing with those three things all at the same time, struggling within themselves to walk in God's ways while dealing with that on the other side of them within culture and the life that they live in. So we have to be wise when we interact with one another. We have to be perceptive. We have to have good discernment. Out of Matthew 10, 16, it says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We have to be very wise in everything we do, but we, we are going out into the world. We have to acknowledge what's there. And we cannot be conformed to the world. We cannot become like the world, even though we're going into it. Being wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, send the man back that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to the battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to this Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David, of whom they sing to one another and dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands? This is the war hero. He killed Goliath. He's killed thousands of Philistines. Did you forget this, Akish? Well, I mean, he's been bringing me a lot of stuff. I think he's pretty good. There's a saying that goes like this. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This isn't the first time the Philistines have had Hebrews in the army. This happened actually before Saul's fall from grace. Way back in 1 Samuel 14, the Philistines were on the move and they were doing well. Saul didn't have that many men in his army and they were coming up against them. And so a lot of Hebrews deserted to the Philistine army. We're going to be on the, on the winning side of this war. Well, that's when we had that story with Jonathan being faithful to the Lord, the decisive strike that caused the big panic. And then everybody started going, you know, maybe we're going to win this thing. Let's flip sides again. Now, the Hebrews who had been with the Philistines before that time and who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim had heard the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond beth Aven. This was a huge defeat for the Philistines because they trusted the Israelite deserters. We've done this before. We've been here before. Why would we do this again? which is a side point. Wisdom can come from places you don't expect, from people you don't expect. The Philistines are the bad guy in the story. They're always the bad guy in the story. They're making a really wise choice right now to send David back because it's true. David's in a tight spot. He is in a bad spot right now because he's been anointed the next king over Israel. So he's gonna have to do one of two things. Either he's gonna have to kill Hebrews and then they're not gonna follow him or he's gonna have to turn against the Philistines which is the more likely case that's going to happen here. And they don't want that to happen. 
We don't want to be defeated because we were foolish yet again. This is a very specific proverb. It's very graphic. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Don't go back to the thing that made you sick in the first place. We have this in our lives. This is what we talked about several weeks ago. We can't run around the tree over and over again expecting a different picture. You gotta run around a different tree. Make a wider loop. You gotta do something different. Otherwise, you're gonna have the same result over and over and over again. It's an interesting quote I came across yesterday. It said, courage, this kind of is an aside, but not, it was funny. Courage is doing something even though that, you will, that it's gonna hurt. Stupidity is the same. And that's why life's hard. <laughs> we have to be able to have that good discernment we just talked about between when are we doing something because God's calling us to be faithful, to be steadfast, and when are we just giving into our stupidity? When are we just giving into this is foolishness, but I want it to work so bad this way? Stop running around the tree. Put it before the Lord. Seek his wisdom. What do I need to be doing in this? What do I need to be changing in this? Because it's not working. Then Akish called David and said to him, as the Lord lives, you've been honest. And to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong with you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's do not approve of you. So go back now and peaceably that you may not displease the Lord of the Philistines. And I hit that point and I felt very distinctly from God, that's your stopping point. I thought, but what, what in there is worth stopping for? That Akish is a foolish, foolish man? But it actually struck me, it's within that very first line. He said, as the Lord lives. And that's that capital L-O-R-D, Lord. That's as Yahweh lives. And he's a Philistine. They don't, they don't worship Yahweh. But he's swearing by the God of Israel. He's specifically swearing as Yahweh lives, you've been honest. Which I'm, I swear to God, you're an honest man, David, and David's a liar. It's such a foolish thing to say. And it just struck me how careful we have to be with our words to not just utter foolish things. Of Ecclesiastes 5.2, it says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Because the things you swear to God, he can hold you to account for. Jesus said to us, don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by earth. You can't change a single hair on your head gray. It's going to happen naturally, but you can't do it on your own. You can't change a single hair on your head gray, so let your yes be yes and your no be no. And let that be it. He's told us specifically, don't swear by the Lord. Don't swear by heaven. Don't swear by anything doesn't matter that you're trying to emphasize I'm this is really I really really believe this just say that you don't swear by these things and then another thing struck me from that is that God doesn't hold a quiche accountable to this and that fairness is not a guarantee because I guarantee there there are people here that feel like anything I do anything wrong I constantly am held to account I'm always having to deal with even the slightest infraction it comes down upon me. And there are other people in your life that go, they just skip through life and everything's fine and they make all these mistakes and everyone just gives them grace and it's all good for them because fairness isn't a guarantee. Out of Ecclesiastes 7, 14 through 15, it says, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. 
and then the day of adversity, consider God has made one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I've seen everything. There's a righteous man who perishes in righteousness, and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. A quiche is going to live to be a very, very old man. He outlives David, and David dies an old man happily at home with his family. Nothing happens to Akish. He does all these ridiculous, silly, impetuous, stupid things. And he just keeps on going along. It's like, Lord, that's not fair. And life itself isn't fair. Fairness isn't a guarantee. And David said to Akish, but what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now? that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my Lord. And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in sight as an angel of God. It's like, it's the cheesy part of the movie. It's like, oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to battle. Now then rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now this is an interesting moment here. This, that's the end of the chapter. That was it. It's a short 13 verses of getting somewhere. And this, this one in itself is actually a very specific moment of providence because David is going to become king. David can't be going out fighting against Philistines. If he had gone into this situation, he would have, or not against Philistines, that is exactly what he needs to be doing. He can't be fighting against fellow Hebrews. So he would have had to have turned against the Philistines. But we know Saul's crazy. He can't go back to Israel until Saul's gone. And he's not going to be the one to kill Saul. So where is that going to leave David in this situation? He can't go back to the Philistines. He can't go back to Israel. And everyone around them is going to know what he did. He's going to have nowhere to go. This was a terrible position to him, for him. But within God's providence, he is removed from it. And it just really directly ties into, Lord, that's just so unfair. David's made a lot of bad choices. Saul's made a lot of bad choices. Achish has made a lot of bad choices. There's a lot of people making bad choices. Why aren't people getting punished for their bad choices? God's got a plan. And do you know who God has to deal with through that plan? Us. He's dealing with a lot of people who make bad choices but he has to make his plan come to fulfillment. Out of Isaiah 46, 8 through 13, it says, remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird to pray from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart. You who are far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel is my glory. I almost think that's like in, in spite of us. I will make this happen no matter what you do to try to mess it up. We're gonna bring about salvation. Give it the plan imploring us to get with the plan. I want good things for you. Stop doing bad things to each other. He's dealing with people, P 
people are the ones that are causing the bad things. We want to blame it on this big cosmic thing, but if people, just people, stopped doing bad things to each other, there wouldn't be bad things. Such a way out there concept, apparently, because people continue to do these things. Matt was tearing, telling us of a terrible thing that happened just this morning, 2.30 in the morning down in Sacramento, drive-by shooting, six people dead. Why? person decided to do a terrible thing. They made a terrible choice. People stop making terrible choices. Terrible things stop happening. God's calling out to us, don't do this. I've got a plan. I'm still going to bring it to pass, but it doesn't have to come across in this terrible way. Now, there's a certain argument that happens when we start reading these things. We go, wait a second. Lord, you mean no matter what we do, you're still going to make your whatever you will to happen? Yes. And that actually, that can become very depressing. Not in that it's, I mean, it's great that he's bringing about salvation and that there's going to be an eventual restoration of everybody. That's wonderful. But in the idea of like, well, does, my, does any of my decisions really matter then? Does any of my effort really matter? Does any of anything I do in, matter in the long run? If God, you're just going to make sure whatever you want happens, happens. And my short and simple answer to that is, yes, of course what you do makes a difference. Of course what you do matters. Of course it has an effect. Because when we read that scripture that says, the Lord is not like a man to change his mind. We talk about this, the unchangeability of God. I don't think we really grasp the fullness of it. The Lord is not like a man to change his mind. The Lord is not flippant. The Lord is not overly emotional in his decision-making. The Lord is going to have a good reason for everything he does because scripture accounts plenty of times that God didn't do what he said he was going to do because of the response of mankind to him. That's the whole point of the book of Jonah. When we talked talked about Jonah being called to the Ninevites and he went and he said, repent for in 40 days destruction's coming. You're all going to be wiped out. And what did they do? They repented. They covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes and everyone in that great city turned from their evil ways. And God chose not to destroy them, even though he said he would, because of their response to God. And if Jonah hadn't gone, if Jonah didn't go there and proclaim that message to them, they would have suffered the result of it. God would have had to call somebody else because when we have that interaction of God, you're just going to make it happen anyways. It's yes, but he's going to make it happen with someone else. God's using people. That's who God's partnered with in this great work is us. So if we say, well, it's no point of what I'm doing, he's going to bring along someone who's faithful to do it as well. So we have to ask ourselves, in this great work that God has called us to, are we going to participate? Or are we going to get in the way of it? Yes, God's purposes are going to come to pass. He's going to make sure everything he wants to happen are gonna ha is going to happen. Are we going to take part in this wonderful thing that God has said, I will do this with you? Or are we just going to sit back and go, it's not worth it? It's a lot of work, and you're going to make it do it anyways, and I just don't want to be a part of that. I've got my ticket. I've got my invitation. I'm in. 
It's a call to us of saying, I have such wonderful things for you to partake with me so that you may experience my fullness of joy through this process. Because we're on the way there. We're not to the big moment yet. We're not in the party yet. We're on the way. And God's calling us to wisdom along the way. So when we look at this, an overarching big idea of this, these perspectives of wisdom, how, what is the point that God's trying to drive home as we walk through this life? There's three specific perspectives from the three books of wisdom that God has given us through Scripture. Wonderful, glorious things to open up and learn from. And the first is this, and it comes from the book of Proverbs. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. I'm sorry, I jumped down to verse 6. We're in Proverbs 2. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Wisdom is always, in every circumstance, gonna be the best choice. During the difficult times, during the easy times, during all times, wisdom will be the best choice. Wisdom's gonna deliver you. Wisdom's gonna take care of you. Wisdom's gonna make sure that the, mo- the majority of your life isn't a struggle. It's an ideal. It's a very big, idealized portrait of the world. But we realize we do live in the world. And so if we just had Proverbs, that would be hard to work through because we we look at the world and go, but it doesn't always work out. Even when I do the right thing, it doesn't always work out. And that's what our second book of wisdom is for. That comes from the book of Ecclesiastes. Same person writing later in his life saying that, you know, life isn't fair. It's not. Some of us are born into poverty. Some of us are born into wealth. Some of us die early. Some of us die old. Some of us go through horrific things in our life. Some of us never have any problems. Life's not fair. Out of Ecclesiastes 9, 11 through 18, it says, Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared in evil time when suddenly it falls upon them. Later down, it says out of, in verse 16, but I say that wisdom is better than might. Though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Even though it's not fair, even though it's difficult, even though you might do all the right things, wisdom is still the better choice in every circumstance. We have to own it. We have to hold on to that. that Yes, it's going to be hard. That was a promise to us. Jesus didn't promise ease forevermore. That if you accept me, your life will then forth be perfect. No, he said, trials and tribulations are coming your way. I've given you tools to hold up a shield against the fiery darts of the enemy, but you have to hold up a shield to do that. It's coming. 
There's a battle at hand. There's work to be done. It's not going to be easy. That's the promise, the realization that wisdom helps us get there. Wisdom is what makes things along the way go as good as they can. Not perfect, as good as they can be. That's why we make wise choices. But there's a third book of wisdom, and it's a realization of who we are. It's something that helps us with us, actually, where we are culturally within America, this idea of self above all. This, that's the whole idea of human, humanism, is that the elevation of self as the pinnacle that you need to focus on you uh, over anything else in this world, self-actualization. Out of Job, it says this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you, but the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. It's a realization of who we are compared to God himself. In understanding we are not going to have a full grasp of the, everything God has in store. We are not going to understand fully everything that he's doing. Everything that he causes to happen, the reason for that. We want to have a reason for everything, and we might not be able to comprehend it yet. We are a person, and he is God, creator of all things, the Lord of all. He holds everything together. and that, I do mean that literally and figuratively at the same time. We don't understand within physics why matter doesn't just fly apart. Because if you look at little atoms, they're all over the place. They're constantly moving. Why aren't they just going? And that's God. He's holding it all together so that we can enjoy this space. And if he ever chooses not to, you won't know. <laughs> it's at his good pleasure. He is God. And we are people. And he's calling us to make wise choices as we walk through this life with him. We're on the way somewhere. It's going to be a hard road. It's never told us it's going to be easy. He's telling us to go through the narrow gate, the wide gate, the easy path. Many are going to find it. And that way is leading to destruction. The easy choice is leading to destruction. But the narrow gate, few find it. But it leads to life eternal. It leads to life with God. It leads to the wonders that he has for us. And he's calling to us. And so as we consider this, as we move forward in this day, I would encourage you, Lord, what, what do I need to walk into? What change might I need to make? What tree do I need to stop running around? Grant me a little bit more discernment. Help me to make wise choices in life and interacting with others. Help me to not just trust everything I'm told, but to question from time to time, to investigate, to consider. Teach me your wise ways, Lord. Amen?